So we started this series on Easter last week, and uh, we sent, make sure you guys are paying attention back there. Uh, we're simply looking at this idea of what Easter means to us. And, um, and, and last week we looked at this idea that uh, Easter is a time of celebration and how our souls connect with and celebrate God way more often than we realize. And, and we talked about this idea that oftentimes we think that to truly spiritually celebrate God, we have to have certain um, postures or say certain words or be in certain places. But oftentimes on a daily basis, God is connecting with our spirits. And it's in those moments where we feel like, wow, this is the life I was created to live. It's in those moments, in those times when our spirits are connecting with and celebrating God. Because just like the people celebrated Jesus as he came into the city because they knew he was going to change everything, our spirit knows that God created us and God wants to change everything for us. And so when we get glimpses of that life that we're supposed to live, our spirit celebrates God. But let's be honest. Life is not lived in constant celebration. Darkness arises. Difficulties come around. And, and this side of heaven, our lives are not going to be continuous moments of celebrating um, because we are living in a fallen world. We are living in a place that has been corrupted by sin. And so there's this interesting dichotomy that goes on where we feel these glimpses of, oh, this is life. This is the life I was supposed to live. And then we feel these moments of, where am I at? Is this all that life really has for me? And so tonight, the big question is simply this. How do we handle those moments where we think, is this, is this what my life is? How do, how do I handle this difficulty, this moment when it arises. Uh, Jesus' followers, uh, they celebrated Jesus when he came into the city. He came into Jerusalem and they were celebrating. It was called Palm Sunday and they were throwing down their coats and their palm branches and they knew that he was coming to change everything. And a few short days later, they went from a massive celebration where Jesus was going to change everything to what is happening. Check out what it says here in the book of John. It says this. I'm sorry, not John, Mark. Nope, wait, wait. Yeah, we'll, we'll jump into John. Mark chapter 14. And immediately while he was still speaking, Judas came. And one of the 12, and one of the 12, and with him a crowd with swords and clubs from the chief priests and the scribes and the elders. Now the betrayer had given them a sign saying, the one I will kiss is the man, seize him and lead him away under guard. And when he came, he went up to him and at once said, Rabbi, and he kissed him and they laid hands on him. And he seized him. But one of those who stood by draw, drew his sword and struck the servant of the high priest and cut off his ear. And Jesus said to them, have you come out against a robber with swords and clubs to capture me? Day after day, I was with you in the temple and teaching and you did not seize me. But let the scriptures be fulfilled. And they all left him and fled. And, and this, this is where I want to focus right now. Jesus is being betrayed. He's being taken away. And his disciples, his followers, the people that a few days earlier were just celebrating and exciting, excited, they left him. They fled. Pay attention for me. 
They fled. They left. You see, because they knew, the, they knew what was going to happen. They knew that to stay with Jesus meant their own death and demise. And so they fled. Now, we know the rest of the story. We know that uh, Jesus was killed on a cross and he rose again three days later and he was going to come back and reinstate the disciples and they were going to go on to make massive changes around the world and become the people that, that started the church that we know of as today. But in that moment, in that moment, I want to pause right here. You're with Jesus. You followed him for years and suddenly you are left running in the dark, hiding for your life. Everything was supposed to be better. Everything was supposed to be amazing. And now you are left hiding for your life. And I imagine they were sitting there huddled together wondering, what now? What now? Is this all that life has for me? Is this what my life has come to? Hiding in the dark, hoping they don't come after me next. Have you ever been there? Have you ever been in those moments where life doesn't go the way that it should? And you're left wondering, man, is this, is this what my life amounts to? Maybe it's, maybe it's when your parents decided they were getting a divorce and it just kind of ripped you apart. Or, or maybe it's when you lost a family member. Or maybe it's when a friend stabbed you in the back. Um, maybe, it's, maybe it's when you got an injury and it ended uh, your athletic career. What, whatever it may be. Have you ever been in those moments where you're like, I'm not really sure what to do now. Is this my life? How do I move forward now? I love Easter egg hunts. Uh, and I always have. And I did Easter egg hunts as a kid, of course. Um, but I did Easter egg hunts probably way long, definitely way longer than I should have. I was doing Easter egg hunts with my family long into middle school, high school, and even into college. I had one younger sister and then four younger cousins that were younger than her. And... Um, <clears throat> The Mustin family is pretty competitive, uh, ultra competitive. And so we can turn anything into a competition. And so we would get over to my grandparents' house and the Easter egg hunt was not just a fun little run around the yard, find Easter eggs with candy or trinkets or real eggs that we had already colored. The Easter egg hunt was a moment of truth. You were going to go out there you were going to sprint, you were going to tackle, you were going to push, pull, whatever you had to do to prove that you were the very best Easter egg hunter out there. I can vividly remember being in, in high school and uh, even into early college, sprinting after eggs and just shoving my sister and my four younger cousins out of the way. I mean, just shoving them out of the way to get the most Easter eggs. And I, I tell you what, they were shoving me right back. They were beasts. And it was super competitive. And at the end, what would always happen is my grandparents would hide massive amounts of eggs. And at the end, what would always happen is we would gather up our baskets and we would count our eggs and it would be really, really close. But my grandparents had forgotten how many eggs there were hidden 
because they had hidden so many or where they were hidden. And so we were left out there thinking, there's more out here. There's got to, if I can find just a few more, there's more out here. I'm going to find it and I'm going to be the best. And sometimes I think that's where we find our lives. Sometimes I think we find our lives in those moments where we think, I'm supposed to be here. I'm supposed to be the best. I'm supposed to be this far along in my life. I'm supposed to be this far along in my friendships. I'm supposed to be this far along in my schooling, but I'm stuck here. And I'm searching for how to get where I'm going, but I can't find it. And then we face those moments in life where we think, what if there is no more out there? What if this is where I'm left? How do we come to grips with that? And how do we honestly handle those moments? Now, there, there's a lot of advice out there uh, on how to handle moments like this. Uh, but I think the best advice that we can get is Jesus interactions with Peter. So let me catch you up on uh, from the moment all the disciples fled to this moment where Jesus has this interaction with Peter. Okay? The disciples flee. Peter runs away as well as John, and they run away uh, together. But Peter and John have a plan. Peter and John follow Jesus from a distance because they want to see what's going to happen. And so they follow, uh, they follow Jesus from a distance, and they follow him into the courtyard. And uh, you guys have probably heard the story. Peter denies Jesus three times. The third time Peter denies Jesus, uh, the Bible says that uh, he called down curses on himself. And so Peter, for, for lack of better terms, um, Peter goes from a guy that is just a super follower of Jesus to... Calling down curses, or in other words, cussing someone out to prove he is not a follower of Jesus. And after that third time, he goes out and he weeps bitterly. Fast forward a little bit. Mary Magdalene goes to the tomb. She says, Jesus is risen. Peter and John run to the tomb. They step inside. They see that Jesus is not there. Now, here's where it gets really interesting. Okay, Jesus is risen They're they're not fully comprehending what is going on, but they know something is happening. A few days later, Jesus shows up to the disciples. Twice. Okay, so keep this in mind. Before this interaction, Jesus shows up to Peter twice. Peter has seen Jesus alive twice. Now, we would think the natural reaction to that would be Peter saying, he's alive. He's alive. I am I'm going and I'm telling the world we're going to change everything. Jesus is back. We're going to get back on it and we are going to go and change everything. You know what Peter does? He says, I'm going to go back to being a fisherman. I'm going to go back to what I did before I ever met Jesus. Here's what I think was going on in the life of Peter at this moment. And and maybe you've been there. I think Peter was stuck in one of these moments where he said, is this really what my life has come to? Is this really all that I have? 
I, I imagine that he has replayed the conversation with the three people in that courtyard over and over and over and over in his head. And he is, he is racked with guilt and shame. And he doesn't know how to come out of it. And he doesn't know how to move forward. And he doesn't know how to step into a place where, where he can be something other than the person that denied Jesus. Maybe you've been there. Maybe you've, you've felt the shame of a, of a decision that you've made. Maybe you're, you're the one that's left saying, I'm just the person that has to decide whether I'm going to be with mom or dad. Maybe you're the person that's stuck in that spot that says, I will never have any friends. Maybe you're the person that's stuck in that spot where you think, I just don't even know where my life is headed. And we're left asking ourselves, how do we handle those moments? What do we do? How do we even begin to take steps forward? And then Jesus shows up in the life of Peter again. And this is where we're going to jump into John. Jesus shows up in the life of Peter again and he says this. Maybe. When they had finished breakfast... Peter jumped out of the boat. Jesus is on the shore. Peter jumps out of this boat. He swims to Jesus, and Jesus is like, hey, let's have breakfast. Okay, now hold on. Let me, let me stop there, because a lot happens at eating breakfast. You're Peter. You have no idea where your life is headed. And Jesus says, let's have breakfast. Talk about awkward silences. How, how do you even begin to have breakfast with Jesus you got to be thinking, all right, what's Jesus, what's Jesus thinking? Like, what's, what's coming next? Like, he knows what I did. And I, I love this interaction. When they had finished breakfast, Jesus said to Simon Peter, Simon, son of John, do you love me more than these? And Peter said to him, yes, Lord, you know that I love you. And he said to him, feed my lambs. And Jesus said to him a second time, Simon, son of John, do you love me? And he said to him, yes, Lord, you know that I love you. And Jesus said to him, tend my sheep. And Jesus said to him a third time, do you love me? And Peter was grieved because he said to him a third time, do you love me? And he said to him, Lord, you know everything. You know that I love you. And Jesus said to him, feed my sheep. Now, as I have read this numerous times over the years, I have always thought that Jesus said, do you love me three times to Peter for one reason? Because Peter denied him three times. And I always thought that Jesus was kind of sticking it to Peter. Like, I always thought Jesus was like, do you love me? Uh, remember that first time you denied me? Do you love me? Uh, remember that second time you denied me? Do you love me? Uh, you remember that third time you denied me? And it, like he's sticking it in so that, so that Peter will really feel the weight of the decision that he's done. But I think I've been wrong. I don't think that's the case at all. I think ultimately what Jesus is doing here is he's trying to help Peter figure out how to take a step forward out of this place in his life where he feels stuck. And I think we can learn a lot for our own lives from the way that Jesus helps Peter move forward. Because here's what I think happens. I think Peter 
answers the question the first two times the exact same. Yes, Lord, you know that I love you. Isn't that kind of what we do? Like we pretend like everything's okay. Like we know we made a mistake. Uh, we know our lives are falling apart. We know that my hip is busted up, but you know, I'm doing okay. Yeah, how are things going? Things are going really good, right? And, and we pretend like everything's okay. And, and I love the third time Jesus asked. I don't think Jesus was ever sticking it to Peter. I think Jesus wanted to hear Peter's heart. And I think Jesus understood that when Peter could express the depths of who he was to the person that died to save him, he was going to be able to move forward. And it wasn't until Peter expressed the depths of how he felt and who he was that Jesus was able to say, there's a future. And so, so Jesus asks him a third time and it says, Peter was grieved. That's such a short line, but I wonder how long that moment lasted. I wonder if there were tears and if there was sobbing. I, I wonder if Peter just finally erupted all of the mo- emotions out to Jesus as his savior. If, if he finally let down his guard and said, I'm not okay I'm struggling and I'm hurting and I don't know how to move forward and I don't know how to get over all of the baggage and the stuff that I've got in my life. And in that moment when Peter is finally honest, Jesus is able to say, you've got a future. You've got a future. I'm going to do incredible things through you. It's going to be absolutely amazing. Don't give up. How do we handle these moments where we feel stuck? You know what I think the best thing that we can possibly do? I think that we can take a lesson from Jesus and we can be honest with our emotions. We can be honest with our feelings. We can tell God how we're feeling. Because here's the truth. God is big enough to handle anything that we throw at him. He just wants to hear our hearts. You see, Jesus doesn't want us to hide our hurt. Jesus wants to hear our heart. Jesus doesn't want us to hide our hurt. He wants to hear our heart. Because it's in those moments where he hears our heart that he wraps us up in his arms and he says, your feelings are valid, your feelings are real, and you've got a future. Let's do this together. This week, uh, for a lot of reasons, um, man, I have been, if I'm totally honest and vulnerable with you guys, I have been really overwhelmed um, between various doctor's appointments and Brinkley breaking his arm and something going on with my hip and just lots of other stuff, just overwhelmed. And I, this week, uh, I sat down on the couch uh, next to Kirsten. I just cried. Just cried. And I finally let down my guard with someone that I could trust. It's very important that you do this with people you can trust. And, and just let it all out. 
the emotion and the fear and the worries. And it was in that moment that I felt God and I felt Kirsten be able to say to me, we got this. Times are hard. Things are tough. We don't know what life is going to throw at us next. We don't know where we're headed, but we know that we've got this. And you see, guys, I could pretend all day long that life is great. But the truth is, there are going to be moments in my life where I am living out this celebration and my soul is connecting with Jesus and I am living the life I was always meant to live. And there are going to be times where I am hurting and I'm in pain and I'm stressed and I'm worried and I'm overwhelmed and I don't know what's coming next. But the beautiful thing is, is that in the times of celebration, my spirit is connecting with God and God is lifting me up. And in the times of my deepest worries and despair, I can be honest with God about who I am and he is reaching down and encouraging me that there is a future and there is a hope and to continue following him, continue doing life. Don't give up. There is always, there is always a future for us, no matter what we are going through. And, and I, love, I love when we get honest. Again, I, I want to make this very clear. When we get honest with our emotions, with God or with, with a very trusted adult, hear that clearly, a very trusted adult, two things happen. Our emotions are validated because, guys, your emotions are real and they are honest and they are important that you feel them. Your emotions are validated. And second, God reminds us we're not stuck in this moment. This is not just a moment that's going to last a lifetime. This is, this is just a moment. And there is a future after this moment is done. And so I give a practical challenge every single week. And I want to give a, a practical challenge uh, to you guys this week. This is something that we do every week just to say, if I want to take a next step in my faith, here's what I'm going to do. I'm, I'm going to uh, try to do this one thing. And the practical challenge this week is simply this. It's that I want you to get real with your emotions. Express your emotions to God. Express your emotions to a trusted adult. And, and be honest with how you're feeling and where you're at and your, your fears and your worries and your, your insecurities and, and just express it. Don't pretend like everything's okay. Allow God to validate your feelings and allow him to remind you that you have a future, that this is just a moment and you have a future. Next week, we're, we're going to talk uh, some more about Easter, and it's going to be more of an, an encouraging uh, sermon. But I, but I felt very strongly that this was an important topic for us to hit, that life is not always easy. It's not. But in those moments, we can be reminded that our feelings are valid, and we do have a future. Let me pray for us. God, thank you so much for tonight.
just a chance to be here.